Middle cough. Hey, babes. Recording this on a Thursday afternoon. Watching a little uh, golf as we roll, John. Trying to figure exactly out how it works. WGC match play. I'm lost. I'm lost. I've given up. My DraftKings team sucks. I'm glad I didn't gamble on this. I It just hit me as we press record that typically today would be the start of the Sweet 16, which I, I'm not going to complain. I'm gra- glad everything's back. But then on days where it's like I would actually have some action, it kind I miss it. That's a good point. That's a good point. You, you know. mentioned uh, tournament withdrawals on the last podcast, and I'm feeling that. For sure. But we are going to have like a Sunday night. We got Saturday and Sunday night, USC- Oregon, which should be a great game, is Sunday night. Like and then it's Monday, Tuesday? And then Monday, Tuesday? Yeah. So Monday, Tuesday, you'll appreciate it. Again, not complaining. I'm just glad. But I do miss it a little today. Yeah, I understand. Uh, you know, we get new people to the podcast all the time. So just a reminder, it's good to have you. I'm Guy Haberman, John Middlecoff. Some of you might be coming from Instagram or YouTube or coming from your friends. And we always appreciate that. You can enter our mailbag on iTunes. Sorry, did you have something else to add on that? Oh, I got eight followers now on TikTok. Maybe they're coming from there. <laughs> Maybe. I got five. We'll try and take that to the next level. I, I attempted to do one. It is hard, guy. I, I might have to watch some YouTube tutorials. <laughs> I, I don't get it. it I, I thought it was going to be way simpler. Uh, iTunes, mailbag. We've got another mailbag coming up. It's packed. You go to iTunes, you leave a review in the mailbag. And in that review, you leave a question. That's how you get in the mailbag. Uh, also, YouTube. Uh, check out our YouTube channel, Haberman Middlecoff. Uh, yeah, check it out. We got a lot of content up there. Obviously, put a lot of the podcast stuff and uh, separate stuff as well when uh, things are happening. So check it out. I know we're getting a lot of new people over the years and uh, over the last few months as well because I got this um, DM uh, from Alex who, uh, uh, yeah, he said, Haberman or Middlecoff, you should really go by Middleman or Habercoff. Ha ha. We used to back in the radio days. So... We could go, how could we do this? Middle, Habercoff and Middleman? Well, remember, we called the radio show Habercoff, but sometimes Greg Papa would call it Middleman, just, to, just you know, like uh, <laughs> combining the two names. I got you. Yeah, we could. That's we not used to a do terrible that. idea. Uh, Ham, but then Ham came along, and that feels like it's even more concise. I, I was uh, at this gathering over the weekend for uh, someone we went to high school with passed away, and... Uh, a lot of promo code hams came up and, and I don't, a lot of the older generation that's kind of, that understands that hear it, maybe listen through their kids that listen to our show thought it was just like a rallying cry. Like yeah. it's just like what we dropped. It's like, no guys, it is part of the business model of modern day marketing. It's not like we just promo code ham, you know, it's like, I, I don't even know. I, I'm trying to th- even think of what the equivalent would be like, just do it for Nike. Or there something. you go. no, <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's a promo code ham. We want people to use the promo code so we can keep making money. That's that's where it com- comes from. Yeah. Even though it, it, everyone says it, but that is the origin of the reason when we do these deals with these companies, they ask us, what would you like your promo code to be? And it's obviously ham. H-A-M. Haberman Which is actually a fantastic ham. promo code because you and I or anyone that listens to podcasts, sometimes you hear like, 
GM Shuffle 78 or yeah. Ryan Rossillo 47. It's like, Ryan, I don't know how to spell your name. Like it's, it's, it, Ham is uh, very, very, about as easy as like L or something. I mean, it, it doesn't get much it easier. It doesn't get much easier. It sounds like it looks and it looks like it sounds. And uh, it also, you know, hard as a mother. I mean, there's all these things that, you know, easy to say. Uh, I well, you got me thinking. I've got I got a good DM. Speaking of people at a gathering, um, yelling promo code ham. I'll save it for the end of the uh, end of the show today because we got stuff to dive into. Uh, and don't forget, if you miss Merton Hanks, I know a lot of you guys have been uh, DMing us on Instagram about uh, enjoying the Merton conversation. He was great, so go check that out. Podcast brought to you by MyBookie.ag. Promo code ham one. I don't know what happened there. Ham in the number one. Uh, MyBookie.ag. Promo code ham in the number one. I can tell you because it was ham when we used to be at a another kind of partnership with someone with a podcast uh, business. Then we moved over. We took over the account. And they wanted to separate it. I really wanted to go back to ham, but they were adamant. And so we've just been doing ham one for a while. Okay. But you could just use ham one. I actually just uh, hit my bank account a couple days ago, took out a big deposit. Very easy. So if you do win money, just takes like five to seven business days. You can press, uh, you know, withdraw. Boom. In your account. All you got to do is. Hit a Justin Thomas, you know, 20 to 1 bet. Because ever since, I, I missed some uh, bets last week. But here, guy, we got the NCAA tournament this weekend. Uh, Oregon State, plus 7. Do, do you like them, guy? Oregon State? I, don't, I didn't even write down who they're playing. Who well, they're they playing Loyola Chicago, who okay, is yeah, super Sister Mary underrated, underseeded, got a chip on their shoulder. But I will say this. I do think a lot of people are going to take Loyola Chicago because I think it's pretty well known that Loyola Chicago is really good, number one defensive team in the nation by the numbers during the season. I mean, they've had some good wins. I think it's pretty well known that Loyola Chicago is not Cinderella Loyola Chicago, that this shouldn't have been an eight seed, that this should have been like a three seed. So they're really tough. But, you know, I thought Tennessee was a bad matchup. I thought Oklahoma State was a bad matchup. Oregon State's got – I just – to me, in these rounds, I, I like if you've got two kind of if you got a Cinderella getting a bunch of points, like I like that. You know what I mean? I'm with you. What about uh, Oral versus Arkansas? Again, you know, Oral Roberts is getting what 11 points in this game. I just call him Oral. Oral. Sorry. Oral plus 11. Oral. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 11 I, points. 11 against I mean, Eric Musselman. Musselman's good. I mean, that team's really good. They, but they've had they had a close call in this tournament already. And what Oral Roberts beat Ohio State in the first round? Like, so what the hell? I actually had two Oral Roberts guys on my DraftKings team in the first round, and they were very good for my third place finish. Syracuse versus uh, the texture Kelvin Sampson. What's the? Yeah, I don't know. Syracuse Six points. Hot. Yeah, Buddy Behind's hot. I, Houston just had to survive against Rutgers. Gottlieb. I was talking to him like last week. He thought that Syracuse, when they are an underseeded, less talented team are actually built better for the tournament just because they they are very dependent on like playing like a football team, right? It takes all five of them, mm. just the way they play, the zone, and it can really throw you off. And just the way they play, like they're actually, it does feel the last decade, some of Bayheim's better runs in the tournament have been when he's been like seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 seats, right? Where they've come out of like the first four and... Yeah. Yeah, they get hot, and it's hard to prepare for them on short run. Really hard to prepare for them because they do not run like zone. It's not like they're Gus Bradley. Like, you know, we're going to mainly play cover three, but we're going to mix in a little man. Like, all they do is run the fucking zone defense. It's got to drive you nuts. Like, hey, guys, are you ever going to crack? Nope. We're just going to keep running it. (laughs) You know? I know. Uh, Here's one I do kind of like. 
I, you were saying how you saw Juwan Howard do an interview with the guys on TNT. Listen, Michigan's been a fantastic story this year. Florida State, like as a money line underdog, like I don't like a lot of the money line underdogs for some of these teams. You know, Oregon State, Oral versus Arkansas, even Syracuse. But Florida State plus 120, Michigan, like, isn't that kind of probably a coin flip game? I mean, if they, if they play 10 times, I thought Florida it State looked really good the other day, and Michigan's not at its best. So, yeah, I really like that, actually. Uh, Bruins versus uh, the, the Roll Tide. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's a great matchup for UCLA. They're getting six nope. and a half, and they do play in just a ton of close games. So, by that measure, I mean, it's been my theory with them is they're just going to play in close games. So I, them getting points isn't the worst thing in the world, but I think Alabama's really good. I've had a couple people in the college basketball world just like, don't be shocked if you look up in like the national championship and Alabama's there. I don't know if they run it or whenever they would run into Gonzaga. Like they could well, just they wouldn't see, they wouldn't see him to the they'd see him in the final four. So it could be Gonzaga, Alabama. That'd be pretty sweet in the you final four, shot? not in the national title. Okay, in the final four. Yeah. It, uh, here's my one issue I have. Gonzaga's clearly the best team. Their road is going to be they're going to have to play the winner of Oregon USC, then they would get Alabama. Like they're just playing good teams. It's now if they win it, they clearly are just the best team. Someone showed me a video. Sugg's teammate, who's a year younger than him at Minnesota, is this white guy that looks like Kevin fucking Durant. He's like 7 feet. He Holmgren. shoots Chet and he Holmgren. dunks. Oh my god. Yeah. They're like this guy is he's going to come there and he I had someone tell me last night that he might be the number one pick in this draft if he was in it. Yeah, this people, guy's that good. Well, because I was I was uh, texting with but the guy Google the other day. him. You like you, you're thinking what he's going to look like, and then you see him. He's this tall, skinny white guy that just Super dunks skinny. and shoots threes. Yeah, I know. Super skinny. He I looks was like Sean with, Bradley with a basketball guy the other day because I was like, you know, Paolo Benchero, like this guy, this guy from Seattle who's going to Duke, who just looks. I'm telling you, he's, he's massive. Who's he's supposed really, to be amazing too. But he looks like uh, he just, he looks fantastic, and the guy's like, "Yeah, but have you seen Chet? You can go on YouTube, and there'll just be YouTubes that are just like Chet versus Paolo. Like they've got like face off, you know. But then they don't actually really. It's but they play kind in a, of a. Tease, you're saying they're like, in a game on opposite. Yeah, teams. it's supposed to be like a cut up of them, and it never really. All the YouTubes I've watched have let me down on my Paolo bit because I I went down like two three weeks ago a Paolo versus Chet kind of YouTube just looking at their tape and. Yeah, Chet Holmgren, big deal. I, I do not think when you just hear future number one overall picks in the NBA, when people lay eyes on this kid, they're gonna they're gonna do a double take. Also, Wait. the name Chet Holmgren, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, is he Mike's grandson? He's not related. I don't think I've asked around. Yeah, I don't think he is either. He well, they had Jalen Suggs and this guy two years ago. Think Incredible. about high school. They, That's they amazing. probably didn't lose much. MyBookie.ag promo code M one. Uh, I like Oregon in two points, two and a half, I think, by the way, against SC. Winner plays Gonzaga. Uh, that game's Sunday night. Can't wait. What are the Niners cooking up at quarterback? That is the question that Jeremy Fowler of ESPN is trying to get to the bottom of. The Niners are up to something at quarterback, he wrote. They had extensive talks with Flacco, who hit it off with Kyle Shanahan during a visit last week before he ultimately chose Philly. Rumors persist that Jacksonville quarterback Gardner Minshew, the second, could be in their plans via a trade. Gardner making like 850000 bucks. So, uh, you know, this also goes into the conversation we are having the other day about how, how bizarre the quarterback market is right now. But do you buy that the Niners are up to something at quarterback? Are you picking up what Jeremy Fowler's putting down? Well, I, I, I've had it red flagged. If Jimmy was 100% coming back and they were not worried about taking a quarterback, 
with not the 12th pick, but potentially trading up. To me, it would have made complete sense to offer Trubisky. He got what two and a half, three million dollars from the I think two and a half from the Bills, four and a half just to have your backup, right? Or one or, or Flacco who just signed with the Eagles, I think for three, three and a half. Now it is home for Joe, right? He's from you know he from Philadelphia. It was a big deal going home. I saw he said during his press conference, if you text him for tickets, he'll block you. Like it's a it, it, it big. I would do wonder if there's a business side for Jeffrey Lurie to bring a guy like that, get him around, get some good, you know, like Steve Kerr says, get some good vibes. If you're, but and if you're if Joe, you did, maybe you see an opportunity to get to play some games too. Yeah, but it, I, I would say if the Niners were going to give you a little bit more money, wouldn't you be seeing opportunity here too? And with Kyle Shanahan, and they didn't pull the trigger on either. And it'd be one thing if both guys got like Mitch had got six. Right, you're like, well, Josh Allen's still on his rookie contract, and then Joe had got six or seven. I'd be like, yeah, I get it. I wouldn't love paying those guys six or seven. They got nothing, guy. They didn't get much money. And my whole thing is not, I had heard, and we've talked about this, and I've mentioned it here about them potentially trading up to three. That has not happened yet. But I, I just, I, I can't imagine, I don't believe that they're in love with Jimmy. Like, they've really pushed that through their people, right? How much they love Jimmy, how much they love Jimmy. We all saw it. We like a lot of people come in from the outside, like, oh, they're saying they really love Jimmy. We witnessed it. They were getting their ass kicked, and he's up there fucking taking notes. Like, I'm sorry, I've been around enough football coaches. They did not love that. And when I say they, I mean the head coach. He was miserable. We could see it on his face. Yeah. We also so, saw what happened. To me, I always go back to we. I I thought some of the criticism after the Minnesota uh, NFC Championship game was too much, right? But for Jimmy, yeah, for Jimmy. Or just really the the way he played in the playoffs. Did throw a bad pick to Eric Hendricks in that he game. He did, but just remember the stat that kept how many passes, how many completions. Eight attempts in the right. NFC Championship. So, but. Which I, is pretty nuts. I don't, will that stat ever be broken for a team that wins the NFC Championship? Guy, eight attempts? Probably Only not. if we Move time forward. travel. Backwards. Yeah. I didn't think that criticism was as valid, but we did see what happened at the the way they played at the end of the first half of the Super Bowl to me was a real signal of something. But keep I going, think sorry. if we wa- I think if we wanted to rewind, I agree. Like the the criticism is like, what was Kyle just supposed to throw it to be like, see, I can throw it like it was it was working. Now where to me it was symbolic is Jimmy didn't have to do a fucking thing, right? I mean, you do eight handoffs in an NFC Championship that you win by double digits is. That's unheard of. It's unprecedented in modern day time, and it will never probably happen again. So it's like if your criticism was like Jimmy didn't have to do dick, that's true. If it's Jimmy sucks, well, on that given game, I can't blame them. Like Peyton Manning would have kept handing the ball off. But I think their actions now this offseason are and I know Coward has a theory of like they've just spent all this money because they're going to get a rookie quarterback like, you know, high in the draft and just have a guy on a cheap contract because next year a lot of their money that they've spent, like Trent Williams and even like Juszczyk, like their cap numbers, like Kittle's cap number, it's just a lot higher next year. And if you have a guy, you know, a rookie quarterback, even if he's a top five pick that you trade up to get, he still ultimately makes five or six million dollars, right? At the end of the day, Jimmy's cap number is in the $20 million mark, right? So, okay, I like a lot of this theory, let me see if I can shoot a I, hole in the, it, the, the, the Minshew thing, whatever. Well, well I, I, I want to get to Minshew, though. I just want to try and shoot a hole in this, what you're saying, though, first. That they would have signed a backup quarterback right now if they were in with Jimmy? Yes. Because the two guys, they had an opportunity to sign. They literally brought Flacco out, and I think, listen, I, I, I don't love it, but when I read that 
Kyle likes Joe Flacco, it is very believable. But right? doesn't Flacco make more sense? Doesn't it make sense to pay Joe Flacco if you're going to if he if you're looking for Jimmy's backup, Jimmy makes a nice chunk of change. It makes sense that Gardner Minshew would be Jimmy's backup cuz he's cheaper, but Jimmy's unreliable, Gardner can play. Flacco would make more money or Trubisky would make more money. Don't those guys actually make more sense with a rookie quarterback than Minshew, who feels like he makes more sense with Garoppolo? What do you think of that theory? Tell me. Go ahead. That's my math. Uh, to me, it's just about cost. It's not about sense necessarily because, you know, like if you draft, let's just use the name, and I think this guy pretty consistently gets thrown, Justin Fields. That guy's playing. And his character and everything is, I think, viewed as really, really high. You just can handle it, right? You just... You get a guy, part of it, your mentor is Kyle. Like, Kyle's the guy to hold your hand. I, I read uh, one rumor that had been floating out there about the Jags is that Urban wants to bring in Alex Smith. Like, that's going to be the backup for Trevor. You know, Trevor's going to start, but just have Alex around him. And I go, you know, Urban's got a lot going on. He's already complained about free agency. He's new to this. It's harder for him just to hold Trevor's hand in just NFL life. He doesn't fucking know it, right? Where to me, when I go, you bring in a rookie quarterback, your backup, to me, just has to have some experience. I expect, who's going to teach him how to do everything? Kyle. Wes Welker. McDaniels. I'm talking like, more from a financial standpoint, though, right? Like, does, doesn't Flacco make more sense as a more expensive quarterback if your starting quarterback is a rookie quarterback? Yeah, but I just think that you can get even cheaper. You're like, I don't okay. I just think Minshew, let's just say they're, yeah. at this point in time, they're pretty equal talents. I think and Minshew would be bad for Jimmy in some ways if Jimmy was still their quarterback. Like, this is another area where I think Minshew... Well, a couple games, people were like, just throwing exactly. Minshew. Yeah. And I don't even think it'd be that crazy because... Well, no, he's... 37 touchdowns, 11 picks in his career, 63%. Here would be a reality, whoever the backup would be, whether it's fl- if Jimmy survives this whole deal and they end up with, like, Slater or just, you know, some defensive lineman. Oh, oh. You went you with know, Sean Slater, with, okay. Yeah, with one of their picks. Is that whether it's Flacco, whether I, guy, it could be Trubisky, it could be Minshew, it could be whoever they end up bringing. Jimmy's Jimmy's leash with just the fans would be as slim as possible. Like he would be one game, a couple picks, week one. Even if they won, like I don't know if I can watch this, right? And I, I think it would be validated because it's like Jimmy. I've never seen a guy who legitimately had a pretty solid Super Bowl season, right? And. and I didn't want to say carry the Niners Super Bowl, but it had moments where they needed him to go right now in 2021, end of March. If you just said Jimmy just goes away, no one will skip a beat. I did not. It ended think pretty fast here. for Jimmy. I I, I, I thought Jimmy Garoppolo was going to come back next year and be better than he was. But, but, but part of it is is like I think Carr is a good example. If you're just a talented guy and you just play all the time. It's easy to just like everyone can take some deep breaths sometimes. Yeah. When you just disappear, people remember the negative stuff. You know, they say you, you you remember fondly the good stuff. I think sometimes with quarterbacks, unless you're like a Rodgers or a Russell, like an elite guy, it just kind of comes back to like, yeah, maybe this guy's not that good. You just start thinking that because, because you then witness losses, right? Because your backup quarterback's usually going to suck, especially in the Niner situation when it was Beathard and and uh and Mullins that you just you assume Jimmy's I think Jimmy's viewed now worse than he actually is but that's part of comes with the territory when you just go up to the suite with a high ankle for eight games after you weren't good it'd be one thing if he looked really good and then got hurt but he had looked bad and then got hurt right 
That was and part then even of it. when he was hurt, he was worse. The heat was on, even though it was one game in. The heat was on after week one last year because he didn't look good. They lost at home to Arizona. It was a bad loss. Because it's not like, it'd be one thing. It's like, you know, perfect storm, Arizona dropped 45. I remember thinking like, God, is Arizona even that good? And it's like, Jimmy's like skipping balls. Like, this is a disaster. Got Kittle hurt. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. It just, all Jimmy's equity with the fans, if it was at like 90, it feels like it's at like 10. So I, I think the Niners, they have the ability, like if Jimmy, they just kick Jimmy to the curb for uh, Trey Lance, Gardner Minshew, no one will be sad. Besides like five people on Twitter. You agree there? Like, however Jimmy's forced out of town with a rookie and a Minshew, no one will blink. No. Which is pretty wild because I think everyone does understand, like, how hard it is to get these quarterbacks. I think it just also, it just gets back to reflecting if 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 you can't play, guy, and I, I don't mean, like, actually, like, be a good or bad player. I just mean actually play. Yeah. You kind of become irrelevant to fans. They're like, well, I can't even depend on you to show up when I sit on my couch for four hours and consume the team. Part of it is you're doing what I'm doing. I know. But, well, and now you're now I, I, I turn on this TV and I know my team probably doesn't have a chance today. We're not playing for anything because yeah, I think part of that reaction that you're talking about would also come from the fact that if you're talking about a rookie quarterback, just anytime rookie quarterbacks just come with a ton of joy and excitement and anticipation and optimism and wait till you see our guy. And it hope, would be hope's a, hope's a powerful thing. Hope's a powerful thing, and hope with Kyle Shanahan, right? You're saying we have not seen Kyle Shanahan with the, in this type of situation as the 49ers had coached before, uh, and we think this would be his strength. We want to see him do this thing that is his strength: work with quarterbacks, develop quarterbacks, QB collective, barefoot coaching. Here we go. Um, that would be that would be a big part of it, and it's and you'd, you'd be you're potentially talking about if you drafted Fields. I mean, you're talking about drafting Ohio State's quarterback. You're talking about drafting a star. You're not talking yeah. about drafting. Ah, oh, wait till you see how we develop this guy. We got in the fourth round, who you never saw play in college. Well, it's buzz not the same. Would be high. Buzz would be huge. Um, now I'll also say like who the, who their backup quarterback is. I, I don't. It, it's a, if that guy plays, we got a problem. I mean, well, I now, Jacksonville well, wasn't well, good. He went six. Well, that six that, years to, ago. that to me, why if you can get Justin Fields, I would go for a guy making eight hundred grand. Like, I, I like that's where I like the Minshew. Just start loading up other places. Give yourself the you know the freedom to you know cook the books, even if it costs you a six round pick. Yeah, I, I don't think Minshew has much value right now. I, I guess my theory, or that wasn't my theory. I I think I read it a couple weeks ago. I know I know I read it. About Alex going to the Jags, I, I do you think CJ limits that, or just like if you do sign Alex, he might just not be able to play with the leg anymore. So you just also got to have another backup. Yeah, that's weird. I I, I wonder if Alex because Balky's an Alex guy too, right? Remember he was around Alex a lot. Yeah, but I just I don't know that this the opportunity is going to present itself. It's I, I wonder if Alex is having a hard time going. I'm not. I just prove myself in his mind. I'm not signing up to just be somebody's grad assistant. Well, Alex. Well, well I know. I, I I wonder if that if he would have a hard time with that. You think Richard's having a hard time right now? Yes, I do. I do, which actually leads us to another conversation. I think we thought that uh Robert Sala would go to the Jets and he'd be like um uh Noah. He'd build his arc and he'd have like two forty like he'd be like just bring it on, like, oh we got we need two Richard Shermans and we need two K1 Williamses and we need give me an e, e, give me an E Man Mosley and a Dante Johnson and he'd just be like, give me a Kerry Hyder. He's done none of it. So when you say Richard Sherman, like we thought Richard I thought Richard would have been signed on the first day to the New York Jets. 
didn't happen, hasn't happened. So shout out Joe Douglas, who turns out the GM of the Jets. Well, I think I think one thing we forget a little bit, watching Kyle Shanahan a lot, we talk a lot about Pete Carroll. Uh, you know, we just talk a lot about the heavy-hitting coaches. Robert Sala is not the boss in New York. And uh, GM's wet dream is to hire a guy they really like. Like, I think Joe Douglas really likes Robert Sala. And then dictate the players that he gets to coach, right? Because you know what? And this is, I'm biased, 100% biased. I don't want my, my because my head coach, a new head coach, is usually his personnel beliefs, unless it's like Jimmy Johnson when he got the cowboy job, or a Saban that has these huge, big visions. Most of these younger assistant coaches that become a head coach, they're going to determine who they like based on what their assistants are telling them. And Joe Douglas is like, I've been in personnel for a decade, multiple decades. I helped build and was a major part of building a Super Bowl champion. I learned from Ozzie Newsome. Robert, my best attribute is to tell you, no, I don't want K1 Williams. I, I, we can find K1 Williams. We don't need Richard Sherman. Now, there is a balance of you want people to sing the gospel, but there's a balance of like, I'm not paying huge money to sing the gospel. Let's just fucking get good players, coach them up like you guys did in San Francisco. See, we're assuming something in this conversation, which is that Robert Sala would have done it if he had the power. Yeah, I don't know that. I think when the Niners season was winding down and the defense was playing really well and you thought, well, you know, enjoy Jason Verrett and Kwan Williams and, you know, Richard. Obviously, Richard wasn't playing down the stretch, but they're just going to be too expensive for the Niners to keep. Robert Sala wasn't the only one. The Jets and Joe Douglas weren't the only ones who didn't. As of this recording, we don't know what Kwan Williams signed for i have not seen that i saw a lot of people saying you know we got he got recruited back to the team and then he just it's the culture and okay that sounds nice but i mean john he signed after the the, the week was over like the week yeah. of everybody signing was done it's not like he that signed with the week, niners right? we're, we're 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 a week and a half out yeah i correct? so I, i'm glad he's we back my dates mixed up i don't know how much he cost jason verrett was an early signing maybe there's a little more competition there Kwaski Target is back. Didn't cost a lot of money. Good. I mean, that's this is fine. But the Niners are kind of running it back here on a team that did some things really well. But like they got to be better than they were last year in some areas. So we talk about quarterback. Bosa. But, but I think I think if we rewind, I think they feel defensively they're going to be solid again. The question's going to come down. Their offense last year was a joke, many games, right? Because they didn't have a quarterback. I think that these guys, like Kwan Williams, is a good player. Uh, you know, Kwaski Tart is a fine role player. Like these guys are fine to put on the field. They're not like we've seen really bad defenses before with the Niners that one year. Jim O'Neill, who ironically then worked for the Raiders, who they also just fired, who in a crazy way ends up at Northwestern. I mean, who's been this really good program these last couple of years, determined into this defensive juggernaut. Now he's the defensive coordinator. That's I text someone with the Raiders. They're like, we were floored when we saw they hired Jim O'Neill to be the DC. Stanford in the points week one. Against what Northwestern. Jerry World. Damn, yeah, I mean, I, I do not like Jim O'Neill as my defensive coordinator. But I, I, I just think it gets to, like the Niners didn't pay for a lot of these guys. Besides, like they paid for two guys. To, in my opinion, that were worth the money. Like they value Usechek. I value Usechek as a friend of the show. I'm glad he stayed. Trent Williams. Like I was telling you before, like you got to watch this little YouTube clip that he produced. Or it looked pretty cool. That he was going to the Chiefs. If if it would have got announced on Wednesday morning when we did our 
impromptu, that story breaks like five in the morning or whatever, Trent Williams was a chief, that would have been a double kick in the dick. I don't not even just, just even to us and the Niners that we talk about, it, it would have been to the league. Like the Kansas City Chiefs just landed the best free agent in the class and he's a left tackle. That would have been pretty nuts. And Trent even admits, like, I thought it was going there. I know the Chiefs thought they kind of had him, right? I mean, they 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 put their best foot forward. They offering him a shitload of money. What else do they have to offer? I don't know, a lock to basically be in the AFC Championship game? Like, the Niners can't offer that. The Chiefs can't. Like, are we a lock to be in the Super Bowl? Well, we're about the closest thing in the league right now. We're definitely a lock to be in the playoffs and win the division. The Niners cannot offer that. Like They, they offered him more if the money was close. Trent basically, and I think it was. I, I don't know if the Chiefs were up to 55, but they weren't like 38, right? Yeah. I think it's fair to say the number was 50. And they, they can offer winning, which the Niners can offer the hope of getting back to winning. But I, I do think it's a good sign that We'll get into Trent Brown, some things Raiders players say after. Now, granted, some of the Raiders players that talk some shit after are character guys. But the Niners consistently, when they want a guy to stay, and if the guy, like, his options are all equal, he comes back. That's not nothing. Now, K-1 is a 30-year-old slot corner, you know, who bounced around the league as an undrafted free agent. So, Yeah, I mean, mean, once upon a time, Carlos Rogers was kind of that. Yeah, and he, but he, really, he just had a couple year stretch with the Niners where it was good. But he's not. How much? But, is, but, but again, I don't think here's what I'll say: is Carlos Rogers. Carlos Rogers wants a first round. I know. Pick. I know. But I don't think Kaylon Williams is going to end up caught. We again, when we see the money, I don't think we're going to. So, I, I, the Trent Williams example is interesting because it is an example of what can happen when your coach loves a player and your coach is also your GM, right? Trent Williams calls. Text Kyle Shanahan as he's going in to eat dinner at James Harden's new restaurant in Houston, which, how does that work? And uh, can he call it Harden's or do they have to change the name? Well, part of it was when he requested a trade. I think his restaurant was like about to, you know, it was like a month away or two months away. That's where it was getting really weird. It's weird for business. They had to change it Harden's. It's like, oh, no, this is Rusty Harden's place. (laughs) Um, But, you know, that's just, I hope Kyle, you hope. Trent's healthy, and obviously it's Trent Williams. It's not Kyle going to the mat for some other guy. This is Kyle saying, I love this guy. And Trent knows. Trent knows he can call the coach. Be like, hey, Kyle, Chiefs are about to pay me. Just, just you want to pay me a little more, right? Because of the relationship they have. But I one area where I like Tart and Johnson and Mosley and Verrett and Williams and DJ Jones, obviously Kerry Hyder went to Seattle, all these guys coming back. I, you know, one of the big stories when the season starts will be one thing that we don't spend a lot of time talking about before the season because we're going to spend all this time talking about quarterback one way or the other is D'Amico Ryans is a first-time defensive coordinator. And I do think it's good for D'Amico Ryans, who was there, obviously, as the Niners were really good and built this defense up with Robert Sala. I think it's good that he's got a lot of the same pieces that have worked for the Niners in the last couple of years. Obviously, they need Nick Bosa. Part of this is, you know, uh, uh, Javon Kinlaw. But I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. If I'm looking for a positive in this, is one of them. I think is that D'Amico Ryan's. He's not learning new play. He's got here are the guys that I know how we used them. I know what worked for them. I think it does. It's got to help a first time DC. Well, I also think, and this is where I give Kyle credit. I think offensive coaches who are the play callers are going to tend to lean on like, yeah, just go hire or go sign a slot wide receiver. Just get something that's going to help them out. 
Kyle does place a premium on just signing defensive guys. Like he values that. He values the big picture of the team, which is kind of unique for a younger coach. Like one thing I've been very impressed just watching his team building aspect is he'll lean defense, he'll lean lines. And the Trent thing is like you can only run out a backup left tackle or scheme that thing for so many games if you if you would have let him walk, you're fucked, right? Especially if like you're in the quarterback business or you're not going to be able to draft a guy, like they, they would just be in some that would be a hole. That that yeah. that would be a problem. Yeah. And I I think you could say yeah, did they overpay or did, was it important to Kyle? Like, was his one splurge use check? I, I can live with that, right? He's a pro bowler. He's a good player. Like, if, if that's going to be your splurge, that ultimately costs you four or five million bucks, whatever. I, I The Trent thing is like, I don't view it as like, Kyle, offensive guy has to have him. I just think he's viewing my team, left tackle. How are we going to get a left tackle? I fucking got this quarterback issue, which is a major issue in the franchise. Also, we, we need that 12th pick to get a guy potentially, yes. right? Because they, they may get to a point where, let's say, they trade for Minchu and just roll it back with Jimmy, which would I think would be a major disappointment to the fans and myself. And they just drafted a lineman, right? Who knows? I, yeah. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. No, but no, it's not out of the realm. But you would be this. You would be in that position in part because you, you're talking about a tackle, draft a, a tackle. Or? Yeah, I mean, just get a guy that can kind of do both, and maybe you don't yeah. pick up McGlinchey's offer, and Slater plays guard for a year, and then he bumps out. That would the right be on tackle. you. For having yeah. not nailed the, you know, Colton Miller all of a sudden. Um, but it, I wonder if Kyle, my guess is no, but I do think Twitter reaction would have been different if it was, hey, Kyle, this is Trent Williams. The Jags are, I'm about to go sign with the Jags. doesn't have the same effect as I'm about to go sign with the Chiefs. Remember the team you almost beat in the Super Bowl two years ago? The team yeah. you're going to have to beat and, probably again. And then they got back. And then, and then they got back. Be the heavy favorites yeah, to go again. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, as big as crazy as that would have been for us, who just kind of talks 49er stuff, I think that would have been a major like in the league. Like holy shit! I think the league should be very happy if you're the Steelers, if you're the Bills, that the Niners came in with a bigger offer. Any team in the AFC should thank that like the Chiefs didn't land that yeah, guy. The Raiders. Because that's the Browns, immediately they just the Colts. They just cut Eric Fisher and they upgraded <laughs> like their, their left tackle for their, their dynasty, their little mini dynasty. I mean, they got to win probably another Super Bowl to be a dynasty. Dynasty is too strong. Excuse me. Their little run they're going on right now. Uh, they would have upgraded at, you know, arguably the second most important position on the field. That would have been nuts if he would have gone to the Chiefs. I'm Especially telling you, it was, was a, a, it was a major weakness. Like it was their weak. This was their weakness was offensive line Chiefs, right? And, well, and they just literally just cut two guys that are their tackles. So and they end up with Trent Brown, or I mean Trent Williams. They didn't alternate they universe. Yeah. Geology.com slash ham. I got to tell you, middle cough. I'm looking at you. Your skin looks fresh, looks vibrant, radiating over the you, screen. You are radiating of just cleanliness and no dead skin cells. Because when I want to take a shower. And a couple days ago, we, we both got sent our geology packets. They sent me some face wash, really light, but get, gets the job done, and some exfoliating. And I remember reading a long time ago, because as you start shaving your whole head, you know, you get dead skin cells, you get, you know, ingrown hair on your head. You got to just exfoliate it all off. You do some deep diving. The Kardashians are big on exfoliating. Same with Beyonce twice a day. Could be a little bit much for my sensitive skin, but exfoliating once a day or at least once every other day is very, very healthy for me. I've had to like uh, hone in 
my process. And now the geology is part of the process. I use their face wash and I also use some of their scrub. And then now my uh, face looks fantastic. Yeah. And thanks the beauty, to geology. And the beauty is you may not get exactly what John got. It's all personalized to you. It's very simple. Geology, four products. You go on, you take a quick quiz. Do you have uh, oily skin? Do you have dry skin? Do you have circles under your eyes? What's Whatever your situation is, do you have acne? What are your problem areas? And geology quickly formulates using those answers a regimen for you designed by a dermatologist. I got one as well. I went with the, uh, I did the, uh, the nighttime cream, then the morning cream, which I actually liked. My skin is always dry. I shave every day. And uh, not only do I get the moisturizing, but I got, I know I could smell it, a little sun protection in there, which helps with the uh, wrinkles of the future. Got to look fresh. Uh, you know, YouTube shows all your flaws, John. Geology.com slash ham. You get 40% off your first purchase of a trial set. Can't beat it. 40% off. Geology.com slash ham. Go do it. Use it right now. Tell your friends. G-E-O-L-O-G-I-E. That's G-E-O-L-O-G-I-E dot com slash ham. How about this? Trent Brown, not a Raider anymore. Back to the Patriots. Quoted as saying, this, since I left New England, nothing has gone right for me. Las Vegas wasn't a good fit. I've worn a lot of jerseys in my life, but I've never been more proud than when I put on a Patriots jersey. Here's what I will say. Is that the Oakland, now Las Vegas Raiders, under Gruden, I think viewed themselves as like this budding weird. It was like a startup, like this, you know, they, they got a blank canvas once they traded everyone away. And then they immediately they pivoted to like a rehabilitation center, right? It's like, you know, we're going to draft these high character guys, but we're going to go out and get Trent Brown, who everyone in the league was saying, you know, Kyle wanted no part of paying him, gave him to Belichick with his classic, like, hey, we'll just give you a fourth for a rental and we'll use him to win a Super Bowl, and then I'm letting him walk. Both those guys, like, no part of... Gruden's like, don't worry. We'll, we'll give him, you know, basically, I think they gave him $37 million guaranteed, which was by far the most a right tackle had ever gotten. It might have been at the time the most a tackle had ever gotten. Now, obviously, these tackles have blown by that number. And Antonio Brown in the same little quote-unquote class. It was a disaster. Now, Antonio did not even make it to week one. That was that was a shit show from the jump. This one felt like, you know, they're going to leave Colton Miller at left tackle. Trent Brown is like, you know, he's making a lot of money, but he's huge. It's like, they're going to figure it out. He played in half the games in two years. And these comments, last year, it jumped the shark in weirdness. It was just Gruden was saying these comments. They don't know when he's going to come back. But they also always kind of like... Uh, they kind of hedged their bet because they knew, I mean, he's one of their better players. They always wanted him to come back. It felt like in a weird way, he kind of quit on them. Like, I don't even blame it. Some of this stuff was out of the Raiders control. Once his actions of like, was he actually hurt? Was he kind of F you? But I do blame them for acquiring this player and not understanding like guys, this in the league, this guy is a red flag that Belichick feels comfortable with, but reading some of his contract with New England is very incentive-based. He had to take a pay cut to facilitate the trade. They have this crazy weight clause. He doesn't have to hit the guy 380. I mean, did you see that? If He's got to stay under 380. I, they weigh him every Riddick day? Ta- I don't know if it's every day, but maybe once, once a, week. a week. Big guys, Lewis Riddick taught me this in the league, that big guys are inherently lazy. It's just you have more weight. It's harder. To, like, there's a reason the center is the last guy up the basketball court. He's carrying dramatically more weight than the guy weighing 200 pounds. 
Shaquille O'Neal weighs, you know, 320 pounds or whatever. He's heavier. It takes more energy to move. It's like you got to be careful with like, you know, my D tackle. He doesn't play hard every step. It's like, yeah, he weighs fucking 340 pounds. But and by the way, can, what he does is more exhausting. One hundred percent. But it can manifest itself like there's a difference of like I got to conserve some of my energy. I can't play like Aaron Donald every snap. And like, you know, he's kind of wired to like not give a fuck. And that's where I think this guy showed like exposed the Raiders. The Raiders didn't even flinch giving him this money. And he kind of put a clown suit on him because he proved why these other teams and the league said, do not pay that guy. How did they not know this? When yeah, they were, like, I, doing a huge reset on the franchise. So when I read that quote, I don't think, oh, man, Trent Brown really exposed the Raiders for what they – I don't – like, the fact that Trent Brown didn't think the Raiders were the place for him, to me, is more of a reflection of him than it is the Raiders, right? He's – I've worn a lot of jerseys. You played for the Niners, you played for the Raiders, and you played for the Patriots. You played at, He played at Florida after two years at Georgia Military Institute. Okay, so he was a junior college player, went to Florida. Really, it's pretty incredible. You go from Georgia Military Institute, you play for the brands that this guy has put the jersey on for. You just go into yeah. one day he's going to retire. You go into his his den. He's going to have a Niners jersey, jerseys. a Florida jersey, a Patriots jersey, and a Raiders jersey. Like that's that's pretty damn good. I would put those four up with any four that anybody puts up in there, right? But that's pretty cool. Yeah, and he's a Super Bowl champ. And I guess if you're him, you tell yourself, Belichick loves me. It's like, yeah, Bill likes you when you're value, right? Bill thinks you are value because you're talented. So I don't read that and say the fact they didn't work with Trent Brown is like another strike against the Raiders. I agree with you. I think it's this went the way most teams were afraid it would go. And most teams, two really... Two organizations that knew the guy, like the Patriots got him again. They know him. So they set themselves up. They protected themselves when they acquired him. The Niners had him for three years. He was a seventh-round pick. Pretty talented. Well, Big guy. I, I, think, if, I, think, we re, I think if we rewound it, think about this. Who drafted him in the seventh round? Trent Balky. Where do human beings like this, a tackle who clearly has high-end talent, from the SEC Florida last yeah. the seventh round. I'll tell you why. He was off. I bet if you and I knew all 32 GMs and sent out a group text, was Trent Brown on your draft board? I'd be shocked if minimum 20-plus said, yeah, we had him off the draft board. Trent Balky, who has a little Gruden Al Davis in him, doesn't give a shit. He was not clearly off their draft board. Where this guy is not a seventh-round player. Right? No fucking chance. I actually think it's kind of reflective of like, why were you in the seventh round? Well, I'll tell you. I bet his his write-up from the scouts to their GMs and coaches was not glowing. Right? Well, Trent overlooked that type of stuff. But then once you get him, you realize you just have the player and he's better than most. And then remember like Anthony Davis saga and they just got a right tackle and it was he was good. I mean, it wasn't like... that's the, that, that to me is the sad part and it's weird to say sad. I mean, this guy's made a ton of money. He's won a championship. He'd go sad. Like, I'm fucking, I'm going to have an incredible career. But it's like, you know, you're, you're going to leave these marks throughout all these people. I don't think people are going to say, glow. like, if me and you were having beers with Gruden, I think he would not like Trent Brown at all, right? Yeah, I mean, John, 20 teams, it might have been 25 teams because he was the 26th pick of the seventh round. 
I think it's very fair to say he was a non-draftable player for everyone, and it had nothing to do with ability, right? He's huge, and he was coming from Florida. I think it's more a reflection of, and this is what I say to John, like, I understand why you hate him. He basically just quit on you, and you just never knew, and he would just disappear. And even this year with Corona, remember, his deal was like he wasn't following the rules. But John... You should have known that when you gave him, I don't know, an astronomical amount of money. Like, that is, like, you... This gets back to, and sometimes our comments on YouTube is like, Middle Cup, you just hate them! I'm like, no, I don't! Like, I, I, I talk about them. I, 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 I profit off them. If they went to the playoffs, they, they can help us make more money, more listens, more views. It's just, you can't tell me that Gruden has some grand plan when he keeps doing stuff like this. Like, it's kind of crazy. By the way, the seventh round from the from this draft, it's like, it was good. Austin Ryder, okay. Washington took him, the center, who uh, Kansas City, I think they just re-signed him, didn't they? Or did they cut him? They just cut him. But he just started basically for four years for them. Yeah. Um, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but he was on the Niners the last few years. Uh, the linebacker, it's like N-Z-E-O. CHA, maybe it's Zocha, Zocha, but I just recognize the name because he's played in the league for the last six years. Yeah. Played in, played in every, probably special teams, played in every Niner game in 18 and in 19. That's impressive. Um, Jeff Swaim, you know, the tight end who Dallas had, S W A I M, again, been in the league. Denzel Good. Good. Yeah. From the Raiders. Um, uh, who's the quarterback here? Uh, Trevor Simeon, seventh round pick. That's a fantastic seventh round pick. And then there's other guys who I'm sure have just, yeah, like here's a guy, I don't know anything about Edmund Robinson, but he played 13 games for the Falcons last year, been in the league four years. So so you're right. Like th- this seventh round, I bet if we just did a deep dive of the last decade, seventh round, it's pretty impressive. You got guys playing in the league. Wouldn't you say Trent Brown is infinitely in a different world than all these other guys? Isn't it pretty crazy? Yeah. Like, kind of reflective of his life and his career of like, Bro, you don't belong. You belong in like the first. Well, here's you an example. Belong to be a pro bowler. If you we, belong to be a dominant player. Let me, like this is where uh, where one thing I was really wrong on having not like and you when you don't live and die with a story, you just kind of from the outside. I had a weird perception of Trent Williams. Williams. Maybe it was just like, yeah, Trent Williams from the Washington. I was like, you know, something's off of that guy. Like then he just quit and he was always angry. And it turns out, you know, it was actually the Washington football team. They're all fucked up. It's not I see watching them this year, it's like pretty high level guy. Like people like him. Like I was wrong. And but I don't know, and maybe it's just part of being in that franchise, but I, I had it I I would have said he was much more like a Trent Brown, but a better version. I, that's not the case at all. And I think Trent Brown, the the you know, the story that surrounds him is much more accurate that I think a lot of times maybe players would say, you know, I got this false false perception about me that's out there. It's not even true. I think it's it's very fair the way he's viewed. Yeah. Darren Waller was taken in that sixth round, by the way. God, this is a pretty good draft. What year is this? 16, 14, 15? 15. Jameis Mariota draft. Stefan Diggs. How you define- Quandry Diggs. Good good picks. She. I like Wandry Diggs. Mariota's back. We've talked a lot about him. Little additional note we found out since we uh, last talked about Marcus Mariota back on the Raiders. Greg Bedard reporting that Mariota, part of his return contract or restructuring, I should say, is that uh, yeah, he took a pay cut, but he also got a no trade clause. 
Interesting piece of well, information. Yeah, I think part of a negotiation, because I, I, I've still had trouble with the quarterback market. Little perplexed, probably the wrong word. Just I, I don't really quite understand You don't understand see a pattern it. to it. Yeah, I don't. there's not a rhyme or reason to most of these guys. Uh, like Fitzpatrick, I completely understand. Fitzpatrick had a good year. Washington was desperate. They just want to plug a hole. They don't know if they're going to be a draft quarterback. They gave him $10 bucks. I'm like, oh, get it. Totally. I, that's just to me like the most easiest one to follow. Every other one, Dalton 10, you know, like Trubisky two and a half, Mariota Green take a $7 million pay cut. I, I don't get any of it. Well, you I, know, I really don't. You know, because you, you've, you have a, you bought a house. Uh, everything's based on comps. Like, okay, I want to live in this neighborhood. Okay, well, here are the cops. This is what the homes sell for. If the quarterback market this year was a cop, was like a neighborhood, you'd be like, wait, so Fitzpatrick and Dalton, those two homes sold for the same amount, but then but then this Trubisky house, it's like on a bunch of land. I mean, I know it needs some work, but like it's, you got a ton of land over here. I could get that Trubisky plot for 25% of this Dalton plot. Like, it doesn't make any sense. But even like, but then you're like, well, wait, you only had to guarantee Jameis four and a half. You're like, yeah, but he really liked it here. And you're like, yeah, there is more to it, but it doesn't quite add up. Like, you didn't have to guarantee him nine. Like, it just, it, there's no rhyme or reason. I, I do understand. I don't get, and you can't convince me that Mariota couldn't have got more than three if he just had hit the market on Monday of free agency week. Like, we've seen it. Teams just don't think normal when a guy's actually out there by himself. A Dory Jackson, who I've watched very, very closely through college and then with the Titans, I think is not a very good corner. I don't think he's very good at all. I thought it was a reach when he got went in the first round. I think it is insanity that the Giants gave him a lot of money. He does not make plays on the football. But, like, he's a free agent. People just kind of get desperate. I get it. Like... I just think Mariota, someone wouldn't give him seven, eight million dollars. I do understand though, it's like if you're gonna take a pay cut, for me to say yes, you gotta give me something. And it's like, well, you're not just gonna pawn me off if you get a team that's kind of desperate or willing to give you a fourth round pick in training camp and maybe the guy that you draft in the seventh round all of a sudden Gruden likes enough to be the backup. Like, fuck you guys. Like, I'm getting a no trade. Now, that doesn't mean if something happens and you're like, you know, Foles went down and Dalton's got a pulled hammy and they want to trade a third-round pick for Mariota, then Mariota might say yes, but you're going to have to go through me to dictate yeah. that result. He's still going to be available because he'll be the backup quarterback. And every year, somebody needs a starter. But you're right. You don't want a scenario where the Raiders, like you said, all of a sudden send him to someone else so he can be somebody else's backup quarterback where he doesn't want to be. Good for him for getting it. And I think I don't think there's a big problem for the Raiders uh, in giving it to him. Like, I still think they'll have some flexibility with him. And additionally, I don't blame them for not, since they wanted him back and they saw value, for not making it easy for him to go find. It's, easy, it's harder for him to find $7 million when it's the end of the week and you're going to have to trade for him, potentially, than it is uh, for him to get $7 million on Monday before anybody even starts signing. For, for a team that does not have an elite Pro Bowl quarterback, I think for $24 million, give or take, I think Derek's number this year was like 19 or 20. Mariota's like three and a half, so it adds up right around $23, 24000000 million. That's about as good as you can get. Like you got Derek, who you know you can win games with, and you got a backup who started a ton, who's a high-level guy, and who's kind of different than your starter, who you could do some different stuff. Like if you're not going to have, and most teams don't, Rodgers, Russell, Mahomes, 
fuck Josh Allen, Lamar. The Raiders got to feel pr- like their quarterback room is probably like the strength of their team. Do you, right? Do you think? Yes. You agree to that? Yeah, I do. Because they're and they're both leader leader quality guys, just high level guys. You don't have to worry about either of them. Do you think the game that he played in? Because you know we talked last year when they signed him, and it, I didn't think it meant it, it was any problem for Derek. Like Derek's clearly the better player. Marcus was not going to come in and be better than Derek. And the other thing was you weren't especially because he got hurt in training camp. Remember, and then he, he got hurt. Play. And but you and I debated like, are we going to see him early in the season? And one of the things is that Derek is not Derek's athletic, right? Like if you want to run some play with Mariota, you might be able to just run it with Derek. But I do want it's not to say that he's they're the same. Marcus has proven you that you wouldn't run like the speed option with Derek that you might with Mariota or something. So my question is, I wonder if obviously Gruden saw him in a game finally after seeing him in a practice for a long time but that's a little different like there might be stuff with marcus that does not really in practice it doesn't feel like much but in a game when it's time to just do what you just described it works because no one's ready for it i wonder if gruden, I, 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 I my guess is he's not a great practice player marcus Mariota. i wonder if gruden's gonna do some after seeing that game thinks maybe there are some ways to work marcus Mariota in on offense this year again the problem is that Derek. It's pretty well-rounded, so there's, I don't, but just to and, mess with and, somebody. And Mariota isn't exact, he's not Lamar, right? No, it's true. Or or Cam, so it's like, he's just a more athletic version of not a good thrower of Derek, right? Yeah, but we saw him with a team not ready for him do some play. I just wonder if Gruden's going to do a little more of that. And I'm not I even advocating that he should, because again, I think Derek can do most of what you need. I do think with the... Uh, you see 17 games is it hasn't been official, but it's kind of unofficially official. They're going to be 17 games. Their big thing is just doing a little research, read an article on how the ad, the game goes. One thing they've always had. I didn't know this in 1978 when they went from 14 games to 16 games. It's kind of crazy. They've been at 16 games since the late seventies. Do you know how many preseason games they played 78 and previously none six? Cause you know why? Someone thought about this a long time ago, and maybe they just got lucky on this. They like that 20 number because they can do the half and half, right, on tickets. I and mean, maybe back then it was more about ticket sales. Oh, road now, games, home games. I got you. Yeah, road game, home game, so everyone gets equal. And that's, I think back, I would imagine the 70s, how they made the majority of their cash, right, wasn't these TV deals. Right. It was gate receipts, and they wanted to get the more, they loved that 20 number. It's why, because I kept thinking, like, wow, they're going to do preseason games? Like, yeah, they're going to do three because they like 20. And so it's going to be 20. And then one day, which is not that far away, maybe five years, it'll be 18 and two. But I do think those three preseason games for a guy like Mariota, because last year, the one hard part is now he wouldn't have been healthy anyway. But like, we didn't even get to see, let's use a good example, like Jordan Love. Like, how terrible is he? Well, it's one thing to read these stories about practice, but just let him play a preseason game. Sometimes... Like, there is something to be said about some guys at quarterback. If you're not the most accurate guy, you can look really shitty. Like Merton Hanks says, like, fuck, we're getting ready for the Charger game. The ball never hit the ground. Well, yeah, you had Steve Young and Jerry Rice and John Taylor and Brent Jones. You go to most practices, like, I bet Trevor Lawrence's first couple practices could just be ugly. Mariota is not super accurate. So it's like balls hitting the ground. You're like, is this guy any good? Well, you're not really going live because he's not running around. One of Mariota's strengths you saw in the Charger game was kind of him running around. Maybe Jordan, going back to Jordan Love, like one thing Jordan Love, if he ever becomes just a solid player, he's going to hang his hat on athleticism. Well, it's hard to tell athleticism when 
you you and I have been to these practices, and college is the same way, and anyone listening, if you've been to a high school practice, first thing that happens when guys get around the quarterback is eight whistles get blown, and everyone just kind of stops. You know, so it's like, it's hard to kind of tell, and all you can really see is like, oh, he skipped the ball again. But really, in a normal game, he would have like gone under the pocket and ran out and then hit a guy, and you'd be like, damn, what a play! Yeah. But that never gets to happen in practice. And... Scout Haberman, you were on it five, six years ago. Is like, I think people are overrating Mariota's passing ability, calling him Steve Young because he's not Mr. Accuracy. And one thing has been proven out he ain't Mr. Accuracy. He's really more like Carr. Carr's not a super accurate guy. I know his numbers have gotten a lot better. He's much more of a rhythm timing, but he can look really bad. He can overthrow balls where you're like, how did Derek miss that? I'll tell you how. He's not a precision passer. Neither is Mariota. But when they're on, you're like, God, Derek's fucking feeling it right now. Mm -hmm. They're kind of just, they're like a streaky shooter. Now, Derek's talent is way stronger than Marcus's as an arm talent. So it just be like, he can have those like chief Sunday night games where you're like, God, he's going toe to toe with Mahomes. Mariota, you'll never say that because it won't look that way. But he can make these plays when he's scrambling that you just will never be able to tell. And that to me is where if he would have had a couple of those games, I do just wonder, like, I, my job when I first got to the Eagles was always inputting injuries. So, like, the first thing you would do in training camp, you have a couple guys, every guy that gets hurt, you're just constantly inputting injuries because eventually they become a free agent, right? And then your GM would be looking, you're like, God, Mariota missed all of training camp. He's had a bunch of injuries before. You're like, I don't know if I can pay this guy, mm-hmm. right? But if he had a couple games, like, let's say Derek had missed a month and he had three out of the four of them look like the Charger game, people would have been like, well, he's been injured, but shit, you see that? Yeah, yeah. We All we got to do is just protect him. We'll make I think it's hard more. when his game tape, just the one game, if he had had three of those, I wonder if his story is completely different this offseason. Because part Maybe, of it is like, it yeah, he had the good game, the but way. he's been injured. You could have been overexposed. Well, could have. But I'm just saying, like, the only chance for him to, like, get his, get kind of his mojo back within the league yeah. is to just put it on, it sounds cliche, but it is just true. Is yeah. Put it on tape. Yeah. Play games. Yep. It's And it's hard I bet he's thinking, like, he plays that good game with the Chargers. Maybe Derek's going to be out a couple of weeks. And the first thing Derek says, like, I'll be back. And I remember thinking, like, Derek, you just, you could barely walk. You're going to be back. And Derek was. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, Derek's and, had some and, injuries. And I'll give Derek credit. There's like a, there's a paranoia to him a little bit, probably. I'm not right, giving somebody else my years. spot. Fuck no. Yeah. I don't blame him. And if I, I was him, him, you'd be like, wait. These guys signed Mariota because what they loved him coming out, and now he just played decently in this game. I, I've been working and my signed ass him to a lot of money, <laughs> right? Yeah, he's not making the veteran minimum or something. That sends a message. We thought it did at the time. You could argue maybe the Mariota signing has made Derek a better player, maybe, or just created a little more urgency in him, or just it's possible. Because sometimes we talk a lot about when it goes the wrong way, right? Like Jalen Hurts with you know uh, Carson. It happens. Like a it lot. might, I think, if the Niners were to bring in Minshew for Garoppolo and Garoppolo was the quarterback, I don't know if that'd be good for Garoppolo. But, but like, would Flacco be? But like, who would be good for for Garoppolo? Because wouldn't Trubisky be the same? People would be like, I'll just put yeah, him Trubisky back. would be the same. Flacco <laughs> yeah. would not because Twitter, you know, like no one would be. Uh, there would be no groundswell. And he's older. I think Kyle Kyle would probably have less of a desire to figure out what he's got. Yeah, with Flacco, you're, you're right. With Trubisky, it would be the loudest. You'd be like, maybe Kyle can get the most out of him. Yeah. And that I'm sure, I mean, Derek had to be thinking that in the back of his head. Like, Mariota was the number two pick in the draft. Yes. I, I would think that if I was in his seat, as I said at the time, I don't think he could take his job. But hey, you can't beat him out. But if you're hurt, 
and somebody else steps in, that's a different animal. We saw it once upon a time with a guy named Alex Smith and Kaepernick, yep. right? And Alex had just been to the AFC Championship and was playing his best football. Then on one playing concussion, great. two years later, he's the starting quarterback for the Chiefs. Wow. Six years later, his leg almost fell off. <laughs> and he's back. Prize Picks is America's number one fantasy sports app because it's the easiest and most exciting way to get in on the action. While you watch your favorite players in sports, you just pick more or less on two or more player stats, and then the fun is on. Prize Picks has something for every sports fan, from basketball to hockey to League of Legends and everything in between. It's really simple to play. You make your picks, submit an entry in less than 60 seconds. I'll do it at halftime of a basketball game, and I also have some season-long more or less picks on MLB homers. You may remember, I've got less on Otani homers this year. We'll see. And at halftime of your next NBA blowout game, just jump on and go, ah, Steph Curry more than 11 points in the second half. It'll change the game for you. Download the Prize Picks app and use the code HAM50 for a first deposit match of up to $100. That's HAM50 for a first deposit match of up to $100. Prize Picks, pick more, pick less. It's that easy. ButcherBox.com slash ham and another special deal. Free for a year, you get salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for a year, plus an additional 20 bucks off right now at ButcherBox.com slash ham. Been telling you about it for years. Been eating it for years on a regular basis. Easily find high-quality meat and seafood. You can trust 100% grass-fed beef free-range organic chicken, pork-raised, crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. Always be prepared with meat in the freezer when you get butcherbox.com ham delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping. ButcherBox is offering you free for a year plus an additional 20 bucks off either salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for free. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer for a year plus get $20 off your first order. What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at game time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called game time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park, been there a million times, never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app, your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game time app, promo code HAM. Save yourself $20. We don't even need a thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. 
And he's bet he won't go away. You know what I love about seventeen games, by the way, is that uh, there's no you, you you there's no five hundred now. You either under five hundred or you're over five hundred. But I, here's what I now you and I talked about this the moment it happened. I still get texts from buddies like, "Oh, there's there's still an eight and eight team or whatever." Like, "Hey guys, we got to change our vernacular. It's the eight and eight does not exist. There's no, there's no more eight tie. You are, don't are get you nine and eight or you eight. You're and either nine. a winner or a loser. Where to me, where you're really gonna see it, like eight and eight, eight and nine, nine and eight. That's to me, it's the the seven and nine. It was like you know we we were making strides. Seven and ten will be like ugh, ugh, ugh. I think ten and six sounds pretty damn good. Ten and seven's like yeah, we were good. Yep. I think it's a good call. Ten and six and ten and seven isn't quite the same. Mm-hmm. Nine, like I don't think you get nine and seven. You're like you know we just we're right there, man. Nine and eight. You're like yeah, were you really? <laughs> there are gonna be a couple like guys get fired. Maybe like we were eight and nine. No, like, how about we were ten? And, how about we were ten and seven? That's the one that will be like oh, is ten and seven the new nine and seven? Ten and seven. I mean, it's still ten's pretty good though. Yeah, ten, 10 wins. Good. Ten wins. Three games better, double-digit number feels better. So you still won 10 games, right? 10, ten and 7 still good. It's better 9 and 7, probably by like 50%. It's not like 100% better, but it's slightly better. Because you got the 10. But 7 still feels like a lot of losses. A bad team? Can you imagine going like 3 and 14? <laughs> like, oh my God. Yeah. The the Yeah. There, some of the bad teams, whoever bottoms out, it's going to look just like, geez, Louise. Well, four, four, like four, what would it be? Four and four, four and 12 is now four, four and 13. Four and 13 is going to feel like a lot of losses. Not that 12 didn't. Yeah, 13 is going to feel, especially there's like a five game losing streak. But we just in broke there. from 12 to a, we broke into the teens. Now, now you're a teen loss at your 13, 14, 15. Like 13 is closer to 19 than it is to 12, it feels like. You know, you're just a teen. Yeah, I would say a one and two win team that extra week, especially because it'd be so, you'd be like, oh, this is hard to watch. What we cannot do is. I think the venom for shittiness will grow exponentially. People will get extra mad because you you just like, well, I'm a fan. I got to watch this extra game, and I'm gonna be I'm gonna hate watch it. Be a lot of hate watching. Oh, I don't know. I mean, now the season's longer. It's even harder to watch bad ball. You know, it just feels I think longer. There, I think there's gonna be a lot of end. pressure on teams being good. There's so much money now. Could we see coaches get fired even more rapidly than they already are? Because there's a lot of turnover in the league, right? Like I like one thing with the NBA, like with the extra playoff games. It's like if you're not even sniffing these playing games, like you just might suck. Right, right, right. And also, you can be an eight seed and be like, "Yeah, congrats on your eight seed. You went. You're under five. You're a five hundred team for the fifth year in a row." Well, think about this. Like, if you don't make, if I, you're my head coach, and this is where Gruden's going to start feeling some pressure. Not necessarily pressure to get fired, but just like, wait, you can't even sniff the seven seed. Like, there's no longer just six teams making the playoffs. There's an extra team. Like, are we going to go if – I, if I was Mark Davis – now, I'm not saying Mark Davis is going to fire him, but if he goes, like, three years and never gets the seven seed, like, that's a problem, right? There's seven teams, guy. Seven. I, I wonder if we're going to see some more firings. Pretty good. Like, it used to be pretty consistent, like, five to six. Is there going to be a year where there's, like, 12? Or just the cycles of – probably not. I still have the same number high. of teams. Yeah. But I think a lot more teams in the next couple of years are going to be like, I think we can make the seventh seed. Right. Right. That's true. So if you go to me, if you go three years 
without getting within a couple games of the seven seed, you really suck. Well, I mean, we've seen it. The NBA coaching, I I think the average length of a coaching's tenure is like two and a half years max, maybe less. Yeah. In the NBA, right? It's and shorter. part of that has to be, right, 16 teams make the playoffs every year. Half the league. You're in the bottom half of the league if you don't make the playoffs, right? In baseball for a long time, it's like, well... Yeah, like you could have back-to-back years like winning 85 games and having really good seasons and people coming to the park and missing the playoffs by like five games each year, right? Yeah, and being but fine. you were good. You got, you guys played meaningful games in September. Well, because you purists don't want to add these extra teams. You guys I'm all for that. adding the extra. I'm, I'm all for it. No, I think teams. if I remember correctly, you you know, there's... I think I said I like, didn't love having half your league because I, I think it's cheap in the NBA to have half your league make the playoffs. But ultimately, my conclusion was you can't deny that these wildcard games are phenomenal TV. And more teams yeah. are involved in September and trade deadlines. So I'm I'm pro. I'm for it. What about my extra inning games? Uh, you you want to get are, rid are of them or you want to do tie? Uh, I want to like run around. Yeah. yeah, I think Mike, I think where I finally settled on that is just have a play one inning and then just tie it or something. Play the 10th and then have ties. Did Major League Baseball put something out the other day about playing just seven inning games just full time? Going seven innings? Uh, well, they've, they're trying a bunch of different things in a bunch of the different independent leagues. Are they doing that in one of them? Maybe seven inning I, double headers? I, would you be cool with that? Just going seven instead of nine? Maybe nine inning uh, playoff games? Nah, it hurts your TV inventory, John. You know, you start cutting down the number of commercials we can air. Are we playing 162 games? We've we got a full season. Uh, and people think it's the last year of the pitchers hitting. I read an article the other I'm day about kind of Bumgarner, uh, Adam Wainwright is like 197 hitter for his career, and he's desperate to finish his career as a 200 hitter. <laughs> this is his last shot. Like, Bumgarner's got to hit, like, however many home runs to catch Carlos Zambrano for, like, second all-time. <laughs> Are we sure Bumgarner is playing baseball in two more years? Made a lot of money. I'm, well, I'm just saying, like... Once he can't hit anymore, like, it's less fun for him. Well, it just feels like in two years, is Bumgarner's fastball going 84 miles an hour? <laughs> Just get him to is the Steven postseason. Is Steven still on the Diamondbacks? Yeah, hell yeah, he is. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, if Hunter Bishop was on the big league squad, I'd be locked in. Yeah, Bish, Bish, Bish music. I check it out on his box scores. Um, we, John, we got to give a shout out to uh, apparently all of our listeners down in Carmel. I got, okay. a, I got a DM this morning from the uh, Carmel High School sports Twitter account. What'd they say? The athletics director and head football coach, Golden Anderson. I'm the head coach and the AD at Carmel. I and many of our coaches are a big fan of your podcast. I like to take credit for turning them on to the ham pod. We were talking earlier tonight, and our head basketball coach interrupted and said, Guy Haberman, I coached him. Our head coach is Kurt Grail. He coached you at Emerson Junior High in Davis. <laughs> he described You were described as tenacious, small like a pit bull, and a bulldog. This clearly should be an extended segment on the podcast. <laughs> Just wanted to reach out and uh, say we're excited to make that connection and let you know that Kurt Grail validated your career, career, CC John Middlecoff. Just to let John know, we'd like to connect with you in the future with our sports literature class, English elected, and our career day. No, hold on. And our career day on campus. We can cover your golf needs as well. Pebble? Yeah, that's what I'll I'll say to him. So I'd take like Seascape and Santa Cruz. I mean, I'm not. Beggars aren't going to be choosers. Here's here's the number one thing I learned. It's funny. I remember, you played ninth grade basketball? Here's the funny part. This is the best part of this. Kurt Grail cut me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Well, it was I got hosed. Yeah, but uh, so they so ninth grade they didn't need any more short shooters in Davis. We were not all at the high school. We were still there. Were two junior highs: Holmes, where I was; yeah. Emerson, where guy was. And then you go to Davis Senior High School. You're still at the junior high. So Emerson had a team. Davis Holmes had a team. Was ninth grade basketball at the high school? Or no, was it was it still ju- at? it was junior high basketball. Yeah, and they only keep twelve players for that. Oh, I don't remember. It might have been more. Gotcha. And you got released. I, well, you know, I was busy. I was big into baseball, John. I was playing a lot of baseball. But it was different. You know, it's football, basketball, baseball. You could do all three. So, yeah, I guess you could have. <laughs> but here's the thing. So, Kurt Grail was awesome. Like, I remember I'd go to, he'd always have the NCAA tournament on his class. I'd go in there. And you guys had a swimming pool at Emerson. We didn't have one at Holmes. Remember that? Pool? The swimming pool? I don't. You don't remember the swimming pool? Vaguely. Behind, like, know. you know where the big field is in the back? You guys had a pool? I never went there. Oh, I did. Um... Uh, Davis Aqua Darts. Dave, oh, okay. Swim a mile. So I saw Bill Romanowski says he swims 72 laps every morning. Really? at the gym the other day. Yeah. God, He Rom- said ice bass are overrated. If you're feeling sore, just jump in a pool. It's actually good for you. So I would go sometimes to the games, though. Like, Kurt, I like, I had, I heard, I had Coach Grail as a teacher. And sometimes I would, I would like ride with, I'd still go to the games and I don't know, keep the scorebook or something. I, I don't think I called those games like into a recorder or anything like I did in high school once we got to high school. But, it's funny the stuff that sticks with you, like what you remember from an experience. One of the greatest lessons that Coach Grail ever taught me was that when you're driving on the highway, you want to try to drive in the pockets between the groups of cars, right? There's always pockets. If you drive on a highway, there's always pockets. All the cars get clumped together. So when you end up in a clump and you pull away from that clump, one thing you naturally do is you drive up to the next clump. Like you speed, like if you're just cruising along at 75 with no one around you, you'll just stay at 75. But if you're in a clump and you pull away from that clump because those people start peeling back and they're going 70, you'll naturally accelerate to 80 to get up to the clump. In front. It's just a natural thing. Yeah, he's describing to the freeway like Daytona 500, but it even makes this sense. Is, I, I noticed agree. it ever since he taught me that lesson. I learned. I'm like, oh, my God, this is this is what everyone does. And so the key to driving just to having a, a comfortable drive don't feel the need once you separate from the first clump to accelerate to the second clump. You drive in the gaps. You drive in the gaps. Did you get a raw deal getting cut? Probably not. Yeah. I don't know that I would have contributed much. Um, I always, you know, shooting was always my best skill, John, as you know, but not really a great ball handler, not a rebounder. Yeah. Um, I think we were way better than you guys at basketball because in eighth grade basketball, my last you had year Brad Gordon. playing... We had Brad Gordon, who went on. Uh, Davis, some by say, the way, had two junior highs, so that's what John's talking about. Holmes, yeah. And so we, our eighth grade, we would play Emerson versus Holmes. Brad Gordon, who went on to be a sniper in the Marines, who at the time Hassan Minhaj tells a story that he peed in the his Michael Shoots, Jordans. Yeah, St- is still up for debate. Don't quite remember that, but clearly something happened to us. You guys had Brad Gordon and AJ riding. And we had AJ. And I remember telling my dad that Brad Gordon was going to go to the NBA because he played Emerson. He scored 55 points. And my dad said, you're fucking wrong. One, he's short. And two, his release point is at his chest. Well, in Emerson in eighth grade, you can, he could. Sc- I swear to God, he had a game against Emerson at your guy's gym yeah. 
where Brad scored, I, I'm pretty sure, 60 points. It was, we annihilated you guys. I wasn't there in eighth really, grade. I didn't get there till ninth yeah, grade. Yeah, you weren't there. It was just Brad scoring every single time. And my dad's like, yeah, this is not going to translate. <laughs> and I remember like, Dad, you're an idiot. You know, you're just wrong. I thought he was Bill Polian talking about Lamar Jackson if I was a Lamar Jackson guy. And he was right. And as you get older, you realize you have to release the ball high. And then on top of that, Brad's, you know, 5'8". Yeah. Right? And it just... He became a decent high school basketball player, but AJ, our boy, became the much better player. Was longer, had more transferable more skills, played in junior college, played at Fresno probably, State. Probably worked harder. Yeah, just but it's just long, it's just a more translatable game. And you don't realize it when you're young, you're like, this guy's Allen Iverson of uh, little white kids in Davis. He's gonna dominate. I'll never forget. Like, no, he actually won't. Demarcus Nelson, who would go on to the NBA, played at Duke, played at First at Grant. Played for the Warriors. Played, played, he, he was an opening night starter for the Warriors on a 10-day contract one year. Um, not That can't have happened many times. But I think he started at Grant High School, then he finished at Sheldon. And I remember he, in high school, gave Davis High the business. Like, I think one year, I think his senior year, I don't remember exactly what it was, but he scored like 48 points or something a game. They came in, AJ locked him down. I remember him hitting some shots from the corner that were just, I don't know how you can guard that any better. Held him to like 21. And it was like, oh my God, what a defensive effort by AJ. Well, and two, people forget it was like right after the Jay Williams, Elton Brand, and this guy from SAC is going to Duke. It was a really big deal. It was deal. a huge deal. <laughs> it was a huge deal. So anyway, like, John. He had committed as like a junior. Shout yeah, out to Carmel High School, the Padres, Golden Anderson. We'll keep an eye on the football team this year. And uh, man, Kurt Grail, what a great guy. But I'm sure they're playing right now because high school football is going on. I think they just had a great basketball year. You're right. They probably are playing football right now. I saw the the SAC schools, like there was like 10 cancellations for Corona last week. Oh, really? Well, <laughs> yeah, I got to I got to give you a theory I have that I developed that there's going to be more F's. I, so what do you think of this theory? This is kind of a half-baked theory, but tell me what you think. We're going to have more FCS upsets, Division two teams playing Division one teams this year, the first week of the college football season than normal, because right now they're playing a season. Like right now, I was looking at ASU schedule. They play Southern Utah week one. Well, Southern Utah is playing a game. Southern Utah is in the middle of a six-game season right now. Now the counter could be like, those guys are going to be worn out. But they're only playing six games. Oh, that's what it is? I I just assume Some of them are playing nine. I I guess I didn't assume anything. That makes sense. They're not going to play like 12 games. So FCS team is going to roll into the regular season having just played like a season in spring football. Just a theory. There is definitely going to be a team... Well, I'd say that those coaches are going to get the six game of film though to like true. get a pretty good idea. That's true. And it's an e- and it's an easy one to get in front of your troops. You'd be like, guys, we had last year. If you're like, you know, who'd you say? What team did you say? Southern Arizona Utah. State? Who's playing who? Arizona State. So Arizona State, to my recollection, played three games. How many games did they actually play? Like four. I mean, they did not play many. Uh, yeah, I think it's it like four. guys we had last season stolen away from us, and these guys. They've been fucking hot. They've been playing in the spring. It's an easy rallying cry. Look at this film. This was three months ago. And it's just guys playing football. To me, it's it's a it's a coach's wet dream to like fire up the troops. Yeah. These guys have an advantage on you guys. You guys half assed it through spring ball. It's an easy one. I actually am gonna go the other way, half baked, and see blowouts because these teams, their their season, especially in the Pac-12, was so small, was so weird. Cal played like two and a half games. They're pissed off. Mm. It's that first week. I don't even know if you can bet sometimes on those games. I would bet the house on some of the Pac-12 teams just to come out fire. The other problem is that the FCS teams, are they're, they're never even close to begin with. 
Right. No. By the way, just well, I mean, I remember for occasionally. I guess Fresno State's not those level team, but I remember when I first got to Pat Hill, we'd always have some uh, barn burners against like Sac State. It'd be like seven nothing at half. Like, are we really gonna just barely win this game? By the way, going back to this DM from Padre Sports, Carmel High, I'm realizing something. A, pit bulls and bulldogs are not similar animals. No. Secondly, it just it it really shows. I think probably anyone listening who never was mounted to anything athletically probably has a similar experience. The way I remember myself and the way the coach remembers me, two different things. Well, I remember myself as a shooter. He remembers me as like I had to be a hard worker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, just you you the great part about a memory is as time fades, unless you're like an elite, like you won an actual championship in college or played in the NFL where it's like everyone remembers what actually happened. Yeah, yeah. The high school memories, it's really just like you and your parents. And you just remember, remember that one time when you guys almost beat, you know, uh, Demarcus Nelson? And you're like, well, actually, looking back at the box score, we lost by 30, but it was close for like five minutes. You know, it's one of those. <laughs> remember when that, and you just remember the good times, even though you could never say, you remember the one time... You know, the, the fucking Gruden Raiders almost won the Super Bowl. You're like, no, they didn't almost win the Super Bowl. But you can say this shit about high school sports. You know why? Because no one knows. It's like, you know, I remember playing Spencer Levine in, uh, in golf. And it's like, you know, he went on to UCLA and he fucking almost won the U.S. Open. And, you know, I was only one shot down as we made the turn. I, I, I didn't even play him. You know, no, but no one remembers. Where it's like, you go in, you argue about pro sports. You can nitpick, like, who's better than who. But you can't just say, like, remember the one time Haberman, like, remember Haberman on the Warriors? You know, it's like, no. Right. But it's like, remember guy who's like a great shooter? You might have just been awful. Well, like, a, right? but even like a, a former player can't say, I remember I had, I gave him 40 and someone on Twitter like, you liar, you had 32. <laughs> exactly. But you could say whatever you want about your high school days, especially junior high days, because no one knows. Well, do you think like everyone that, everyone that golfed growing up, but, but was old and died in the nineties, did every one of them die thinking they had beautiful golf swings? Like now you're really good at golf. You've got a great swing. But I remember the first time I saw the video of my swing, I was like, whoa, it doesn't feel like that. I didn't know it looked like that. Well, <laughs> I heard someone say once on social media that like if every single human, this is like during the NBA playoffs, that plays pickup basketball could videotape themselves mm. playing pickup basketball, mm. maybe they would be less overzealous to just throw out their takes. Mm -hmm. If they just saw themselves just even not shooting or laying it up, just a casual couple runs up and down the floor. Mm -hmm. You're like, God damn, that's how I look? Yeah, that's right? no question. Because <laughs> you know sometimes you peek out like in my gym, I'll peek out and there'll be a big time run of just guys between 30 and 50, yeah. just giving it their all. Everyone's sweaty. And you're just like, God, this looks really slow. You got balls going all over the place. But then the guys, like if you just come at the right time into the locker room after, you know, they'll be like high five and like, great job, Billy. Like, good girl. Oh, awesome, Been looking man. forward to this all week. Sweet. Yeah. And they're just, they, they just think they played like an NBA finals game. Yeah. Their attitude, they just feel like they accomplished something. And I'm like, listen, I'm not here to talk shit. I'm thinking in my head. I peeked in and watched you guys for like five minutes. That was the worst athleticism I've seen no, as a group. It's best not to. No, no it's, it's best sometimes not to see that. You don't want to shatter the mirage, you know. No, it's best not to see the film sometimes. But all right, John, we'll we'll go down to Carmel High School and yeah, promo code Tell Pebble we're coming. Promo code Ham it up. Pebble on them. <laughs> Pebble on them. Yeah, I, he said we got. The I mean, golf. I take Spyglass or Poppy. I mean, yeah, Bakers aren't going to be choosers. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
I heard Dan Marley. I, we were talking about this. We were listening to the subpar pod, and Dan Marley. Did you hear this story where Dan Marley's got he's buddies with Craig Neal, who used to be the coach in New Mexico. Now he's an assistant at Nevada. And he's like, Craig told me, Dan, for your big fiftieth, I'm going to get you on at Augusta. And he's like, Well, I'm 55. I still haven't played at Augusta National. <laughs> The best story was like you had to be there two hours, get your workout in and stuff before game. He said Charles would show up like 35 minutes. He'd fucking go to the whiteboard after all the keys for the game. He'd erase it all and just write win, and then he'd sit down and change his shit. <laughs> I, the NBA was just much more – I love the 90s. I, I could listen to stories about the 90s NBA. Well, It's as good as any sport ever, the, the 90s NBA. I know, but this is just like the high school conversation. It's like, do, was it – I mean, I, I remember it that way. I thought it was pretty. It would. It felt pretty cool. I remember my dad was always watching. It felt like a lot of people were talking about it. I I don't think it's really arguable that the '90s NBA was bigger in America than the NBA right now. We are obsessed. We are not obsessed with '90s NFL or '90s um, really anything else other than maybe '90s music. But like from a sports standpoint, we're. We're just obsessed with the 90s NBA. And maybe that's Jordan. Maybe that's a big part of it is Mike. I think it's a big part of it. But they had some just unique, great personalities all Rivalries around the league. Rivalries that lasted for Mike. a decade. Yeah, the teams were cool. I think the guys are still seem pretty cool. Yeah. I don't know. You just listen to them talk. You're like, I'd, I'd, I'd want to hang out with Dan Morley. <laughs> uh, all right. On that note. I kind of miss the 90s. I'm not going to lie. Not my life in the 90s, but just everything that was going on in the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. Hell, I mean, even the Raiders are pretty good. I mean, they made a whole show out of it, wasn't it? I love, wasn't that the, was I love the '90s, the original, or was it I love the '80s, the original? Did they do it every decade? Which what channels yeah, is on? Every MTV? I don't know. Yeah, remember, I remember that that show used to be big. It's been several years. It was a great show. Yeah. Once upon a time, remember MTV Cribs? Another great show. I know. Miss that exhibit. One. Pin my ride. Another great show. <laughs> <laughs> what happened like, in my ride? I would love so they simple. should do a follow up on what happened to those cars like alright we put an aquarium in the back of this van <laughs> like what some of the stuff they did to these cars it's like how is that gonna age pimp my, my ride at least with the house it was like you just do cool shit it's your house whatever pimp, you are kind of limited on like a fucking four door Oldsmobile but you'd be like god exhibit pimp the shit yeah, out like, we took out all the seats <laughs> But it's incredible because now it's an air hockey table. (laughs) And it was like before like Wi-Fi and shit didn't exist back then. It was just you kind of had to use like, you know, we got NBA Jam, the actual arcade game in the back seat. You know, so there's only one seat. You actually got to hover. You don't even get to sit, but you can fucking play NBA Jam. You don't need any quarters. And it was like, God damn, this guy is sweet. Yeah, we got it. That's the thing. Like now, I don't even think it would be that cool because it would just be screens. You kind of had to use your ingenuity of like limited space, wires. Like you just, it's not like no Wi-Fi, no like extra power cords. Like it's its pretty remarkable what they pulled off. They'd always be like, you told us you loved sun-kissed orange soda. So here's what we did. They, I, if I'm not remembering, were they using famous people or did Exhibit just get like no, a random get, dude, Exhibit right? would get randoms. Yeah. And you would like, get, you would like send in your car. Wasn't it really shitty cars? Always like what? Yeah, it Pieces was like a car, like a 1987 Oldsmobile that if you saw it, you wouldn't pay a thousand dollars for it. Yeah. Exhibit by 30 minutes into the show, the thing had the pimp uh, paint job, the big ass spinners. But it would have been so much better <laughs> if they just made the car like a like a modified version. But they would do things that again, it would made it a great show. But it was just outrageous. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I would love a website that just updates what or a show. I think Ex- Exhibit had an underrated like little run. 
that exhibit. Was he in any life. movies? He had to have been in a uh, y- Yeah, I think he was in, uh, I want to say Training Day, but that was Dr. Dre. I was watching a movie pretty recently where I swore to God Exhibit was in it. Exhibit had a little run. It's a good, honestly sneaky, sweet rapper name, Exhibit. Yeah. X to the Z. Yeah. All right. Good. I get it. See, that's late 90s rappers. I miss those guys, too. Early 2000s. Yeah, he's probably, you know, came in like Nelly style. Ludicrous. (laughs) On that note, later, everybody. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.